Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is the Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to the Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Hello and welcome to this Thursday edition of The Inner Life. I'm Josh Raymond. Last day of the month of June, and I hope it's been a good month for you. Looking ahead to July, it's uh, coming up right up there. Do you see it? Well, can you think of a time where your ego got the better of you? Maybe you thought something you did was quite impressive, only to have your accomplishment shown up by something or by someone doing something better. Ronald Reagan, he's the first U.S. president I really recall from my young years growing up. I still remember sitting on the floor of our family room in front of the television, my mom and my dad sitting there on the couch or in a chair behind me, and we were watching the election results come in as Reagan was elected to a second term in office, winning in a landslide over Walter Mondale. Reagan, do you remember this? If you're at least as old as I am or or older, uh, Reagan got 49 of the 50 states and all of those electoral votes. Um, Reagan, he also had this nickname of the great communicator. And that's because he was excellent at disarming a crowd, getting a laugh from his audience by telling a funny story or some witty anecdote. But he was also able to be quite concise and direct to address serious issues with the appropriate demeanor when it was called for. And I'm sure Ronald Reagan knew he was a very gifted speaker, and he likely had people constantly telling him how wonderful his speeches are all throughout his political career. But there's one story that Reagan told about when he didn't get the reaction he was hoping for during one of his speeches. And these are his words. He explained by saying, I once addressed a very large, distinguished audience in Mexico City, and then sat down to rather scattered and unenthusiastic applause. And I was somewhat embarrassed, even more so, when the next man who spoke, a representative of the Mexican government speaking in Spanish, which I don't understand, was being interrupted virtually every other line with the most enthusiastic kind of applause. So to hide my embarrassment, I started clapping before anyone else, and longer than anyone else until our ambassador leaned over to me and said, I wouldn't do that if I were you. He's interpreting your speech. (laughs) Those kinds of moments, they help to keep our pride in check. Have you had that kind of experience where you thought you were better than someone else or you wanted to save face when you found yourself embarrassed? I remember one of my college professors who shared about when he received his doctorate. He'd been working and studying towards this as a culmination of so many years in school. But when he received it, he said nothing changed. Uh, 
He was already working as a professor. He was married. He had children. His life was established. And after the graduation ceremony, he went back to his same home, back to his same job. He said it was enormous, enormously humbling because that same evening of his graduation, that night, his wife was asking him to take out the garbage to help with the dishes. And he found that his expectations... I have a PhD. I'm an expert in my field. Those expectations and his pride were really being kind of stomped back into place. All of us struggle with pride. You know, we want to look good in front of others or we want to be better than others. On that kind of virtual playground of life, none of us want to be the last one chosen for the team. But when we allow pride to take hold in us, what we're really saying to others is, I am more important than you. And that becomes dangerous territory because that's the same attitude that led to the fall of Lucifer. Jesus gives us those two most important commandments. Love God above everything else and love your neighbor as yourself. But pride is the sin that says, the only one that should be loved, it's me. I should be loved and I should be loved more than anyone. Now the virtue that defeats pride, that's humility. And today we want to spend this hour of the inner life talking about how we can grow in humility, how we can overcome pride, so that we can indeed live out those two greatest commandments, loving God and loving our neighbor. And our spiritual director joining us for the hour today, Father Eric Nielsen, is back with us once again. He's a regular voice here on the inner life. He's a priest in the Diocese of Madison, Wisconsin. And he's the pastor of the St. Paul University Catholic Center there on the campus of the University of Wisconsin in Madison. Father Eric, welcome back to The Inner Life. Glad to have you here today for a very uh, important conversation. Hello, Josh. Yeah, it is. It's, uh, humility is a beautiful virtue. So, happy it, to it talk is. about it. Yeah, well, and uh, <laughs> you're, you're the right man for the job, Father. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm looking forward to this. Um, so, first of all, let's talk about pride. We can get to humility in a moment, but pride itself... Um, you know, it's good for us to have an understanding of what this sin is, I think, before we start getting into the virtue and how we, we overcome it, because it's important to recognize it in ourselves. Um, the Catechism, in paragraph 1866, Catechism of the Catholic Church, it gives this list of capital sins. Pride is the very first one in that list, and I've always heard that pride, since it is that sin that caused Satan to be cast out from heaven, it's the root of all other sins. Is that accurate? Is, is pride the greatest of all sins? Uh, most definitely, yeah. I mean, all of, our, um, all of our sins stem from pride. And so, as you kind of pointed out uh, rightly, Josh, the first thing we want to do is just recognize that we all have it. And um, we should be humble enough to recognize that we have pride. If we don't have at least that much humility, we're, we're in difficult, you know, difficult straits. So pride, basically, as Thomas Aquinas says, and as you uh, somewhat pointed out, is the, the choosing of our own excellence over, over God. So every time we decide to do something that God doesn't want to, us to do, you know, we're, 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 we're saying that we know better than God, that we're more excellent than God. And until we recognize that we need God and we need to obey him, um, you know, there's no way we're going to be saved. So pride, you know, will keep us you know, out of heaven. Well, as I was reflecting on this earlier this morning, too, 
I was trying to think through, okay, is there anything that I can come up with, you know, just as kind of a mental exercise here, that might be a contest against pride as that greatest sin? And so I started thinking about the virtues, and the greatest virtue is love. And this is, love is how God is known to us. Love is God, God is love, right? We, we especially see mm-hmm. that in uh, the uh, Apostle John's first letter, he talks about that. So I was thinking, if God is love, it would seem that the opposite of love would be the greatest sin, and that would be hate. But then I started thinking, if I hate someone, which is the antithesis of who God is, we put ourselves at odds with God when we hate. But the more that I kept on kind of going around, I thought... It still has to come back to pride, because if I'm withholding love from someone to the point of hating them, what's my reason? What's my motivation? It's because I think that I'm better than them in some fashion, that they're not worthy, that they they don't deserve my love. And if I have that kind of opinion of myself, that my love is it, it's it's not worth giving to this person, I still find myself caught in that trap of pride. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, you're just saying that I I love myself at the expense of, of loving God. It's it's an inordinate love of self. It's um, I love myself. I, I, I thought of my pride. I'm not going to give the love that that uh, I owe to God to Him. I'm going to withhold it to myself and look at myself instead. So we can see that with the people around us too. I don't want to give honor to this person. Um, who deserves honor, you know, they got the award and I didn't, and I'm going to be envious and mad at them because I love myself too much and I'm not capable of loving them and giving, you know, the glory and praise that's due to them out of my pride. So that's what we're doing with God. I I don't want to honor and glory God and love him based on the love that I have for myself that I don't want to give up. Yeah, you know, C.S. Lewis... I, this was years ago. I, I think I was in high school when I read through his book, Mere Christianity, and he has a chapter that deals with the sin of pride in that book. And when I first read through that, it was kind of this epiphany moment for me where I I didn't, I didn't realize before that almost every other sin, it can all be traced back to pride. He says at the beginning of that chapter, if you don't mind, I'll quote from him. He says, "Pride is one vice which no person in the world is uh, of which no person in the world is free, which everyone in the world loathes when he sees it in someone else, and of which hardly any people except Christians ever imagine that they are guilty themselves." Uh, this essentially what what C.S. Lewis is saying there it goes back to what Jesus is saying. Take the large wooden beam out of your own eye before you offer to help someone else to remove the speck from their eye, which is, of course, truly ironic that we think we know better. It's so natural for us to have this attitude that we're so special or so astute or so observant that we have this amazing insight to help someone else come to an awareness of their prideful behavior while being completely unaware of the hypocrisy of the pride that has a hold on us in that moment. You talked about that we want to be able to be humble, to recognize pride. What do you think is kind of that first step that allows us to recognize pride in ourselves? Well, we're all happy with our own thoughts or we don't have them. Right. And so we all trust our own judgment of things. 
and we're, we're in a certain sense we love our own judgments and we love our thoughts and we love our own excellence and so i think one of the things that we have to come to is a, just the suspicion of our own thoughts and the suspicion of our own excellence you know maybe i'm not as good at this as i think i am maybe my thoughts aren't always right maybe my judgments are wrong sometimes you know and so unless we have that suspicion um, we're not going to develop humility. We're just going to hold on to our pride. And so I think that that's that's the first step is is to be childlike. You know, children in a sense are very suspicious of their thoughts in a certain sense because they're being taught all the time. You know that they're wrong, uh, and so um, we, we we need to, in a certain sense become childlike like that and just realize, well, you know, uh, you know, I might be wrong about this. I could see this. You know, I think I have the wrong perspective a lot of the times, and you know, I'm not always as excellent as I think I am. So I, th- I think that's that's the the first step is letting go of love of our own excellence. Well, that also makes me think. I mean, I, I think anybody who's in a married relationship um, would probably very much relate to this. That's one thing that helps keep me in check is um, if I go and talk to my wife or my kids, they're very happy to point out the areas where I wasn't quite as as great or wasn't as right as I might have thought I was. Um, I had a, a priest at an old parish who he said every time his mother would tell tell him as a young boy, okay, it's time to go to confession. We're going to confession for the month. And he'd say, ah, I, I don't have anything that I need to confess. And his mother would say, oh, go ask your sisters. <laughs> They'll yeah. tell you what you need to confess. <laughs> and so surrounding ourselves with other people who we can trust, you know, they're, they're not going to berate or belittle us, but they can be honest with us. That seems like that might be a, a, a very natural place also. You know, we look at it, we can have that kind of suspicion of ourselves, not think that we are better than we really are, but then also turn to the, the assistance of other people that we can trust to help us recognize that pride in our life. Oh, absolutely. That's why marriage is such a beautiful thing. And it's one of the reasons why it's not good for the man to live alone. If you have someone in your life that you trust, who you know is willing to give you fraternal correction, and if you can be open to that, um, you know, it's very beautiful. I think the other thing, too, you know, as we, as we talk about how do we become humble, is to recognize the fact that we have a God who gives grace to the humble and resists the proud. Um, and so recognition of your own efficient deficiencies and your sinfulness, you know, is the way to, that we draw closer to God. You know, it's not the public, it's not the proud Pharisee in the front of church, you know, saying, Hey, you know, Lord, look at me. I'm so lucky not to be like this publican back here that gets the grace. It's the man in the back of the temple who's beating his breast saying, merciful, be merciful to me, Lord, for I am a sinner. And so let's just start first of all, in our mind with the confidence that recognizing our sinfulness and our mistakes is um, is the way that we draw closer to our Lord Jesus Christ and re- and receive His love. So let's not be afraid of recognizing our deficiencies. Mm. Well, the only reason that we should be afraid of recognizing our deficiencies is if we don't have the mercy of God that we can then cling to. Because if there isn't yeah. that mercy... That, that's that's where the fearfulness should come in. Yeah, exactly. And we live in a, in a world that's that's merciless. To admit your mistake in a court of law is to be thrown into jail for 30 years. 
um, to admit your mistake in um, in the court in the tribunal of our, our Lord's heart is to be embraced by Him and um, loved deeper. And so, obviously, it doesn't give us an excuse to sin, but it does give us every reason in the world to recognize our sins and to be grateful when we see them. You know, one of the ways of growing humility is is to be thankful for the sins that you do see. In some ways, to, to sin is, is a great gift. And Lord, thank you for showing me my sinfulness so that I can turn to you and love and recognize um, my weakness and to be more humble. You know, um, you know, just looking at our Lord, he said, learn from me for I'm meek and humble of heart. And you wonder, wow, how can Jesus be humble? You know, he is, he is the creator of the universe. And um, he's talking about his heart, his human heart. And just the understanding that we're not God and that our heart is created by God and that our heart is completely dependent on God. You know, Jesus knew that more than anything else, how dependent his heart was on God, because in a certain sense, he created his own heart. Um, And so just to have that humility of heart to know that, um, you know, everything we have comes from God. And so that's in a certain sense, the essence of our humility before God, that God is everything. And we're, we're, we're basically nothing. Uh, we're, we're only what we've received from God. Yeah. Well, as you're talking about that, we're only what we receive from God, that sometimes God even might allow us to struggle with a sin or a temptation so that we can recognize our weakness and that we are fully reliant on him. I remember reading this uh, out of St. Thomas Aquinas, and I think he was, I want to say he was maybe quoting St. Isidore, um, whoever it was that he was quoting. Basically, it was something along the lines of some people might find themselves struggling with sexual sins just because it's a lesser sin than that of pride, but it also is something that you can recognize more readily and it will hopefully lead to you recognizing that if you're struggling with this, you have this kind of disordered understanding of humility, and that will help you recognize the pride. So some of those sins, they're, you know, that, that can be something that God uses. He never wants us to sin, but he, he allows that struggle to continue so that he can eventually draw us close to him. I, I'm probably not expressing that as articulately as I want to, but, um, but I, 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 th- I thought that was, it was just such an eye-opening moment as I was reading that from St. Thomas Aquinas. Yeah, that's, I think you, uh, you, you, know, you're, you hit the nail on the, on, on the head there, that um, sometimes we're very distressed by our sinfulness, but just recognize our sinfulness, and God you know, allowing us to fall into sin can, as you say, be a great gift um, because it does, it does reduce our pride. You know, the sin, you know, of sins of impurity, which, you know, are just, it seems that the whole world is being inundated with impurity right now. And so for our listening audience out there, and for those of you who are struggling with impurity, you know, just um, have a lot of faith that God loves you and wants to pull you out of that sin. And, you know, we, we all need to live in a world in which it makes it harder for people to be exposed to pornography and, and sinful temptations. Now, there can be some psychological things that are going on, especially if something happened in early childhood that gives you, a, a, you know, a proclivity to sins against chastity. But for the average person who's normally encountering these sins, they're related to pride. 
that, you know, humility and purity go hand in hand with each other. And so we tend to fall into sins of impurity because of our, um, because of our pride. And then, as you said, you know, recognizing our, our need for God and the sin that we've fallen into should rightly humble us. Talking with Father Eric Nielsen today here on The Inner Life, and want to open up the phones for your call. Uh, what has helped you to recognize those areas of pride in your life? And how have you been able to grow and exercise that virtue of humility? Is there maybe one or two specific practices or tactics that have been particularly useful in growing in humility in your life, something that's helped you to let go of that prideful attitude, that sin. Uh, you're welcome to call in, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149, and our email address is innerlifeatrelevantradio.com, and we'll continue talking about the sin of pride, but also the antidote, humility, that virtue, coming up next here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Relevant Radio runs on horsepower. Your horsepower. Donate any vehicle and keep our stations running. Join in with hundreds of other listeners who have given their used vehicles at relevantradio.com slash car. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond, and I'm joined today by Father Eric Nielsen, a priest in the Diocese of Madison, Wisconsin, the pastor of the St. Paul University Catholic Center on the campus of the University of Wisconsin there in Madison, and today talking about that great sin of pride and how do we overcome pride with the virtue of humility. Also taking your phone calls. Maybe you have a question about pride. Maybe you have a question about that virtue of humility or about how you've been able to grow in that virtue of humility. We'd love to hear your story, and you can call in at 888-914-9149. Again, the phone number is 888-914-9149. Our email address, innerlifeatrelevantradio.com. Father, one last aspect of talking about the sin of pride. There are times where we talk about pride, and we really do recognize it as being a good thing, being proud of your kids when they do something good, proud of your community, proud of your sports team, you know, things like that. Uh, can you kind of help us differentiate between that kind of pride and then when we talk about the sin of pride? Yeah, you know, I've meditated on that a little bit. I remember, I remember, I was in a Catholic high school, and uh, we came out for football practice my sophomore year, and uh, and the um, football coach had uh, a hat on that said "Pride," and I thought, "Wow, this is interesting." <laughs> and um, you know, is pride of your kids and pride of your proud of your um, of your country, and you know, I. Basically, I tell you, to be honest, Josh, I think when most people say that, they, they are sinning. Um, if you say you're proud of your kids, meaning I love my children and I love their excellence, then, and I love my country and I love my country's excellence, um, then that's a beautiful thing. Um, but if it's pride and the fact is I love my, I think my kids are better than other people's kids. I think my country is better than other people's kids. I think my mother is better than your mother. Well, that would be evil 
because we're not meant to make comparisons at all. I love my mom because she's my mom. I don't care. Maybe she's the worst mom in the world. I don't know. But she's my mom, and I love her. And in a certain sense, I'm proud of her. I'm proud of her excellence. I'm proud of the good things she does. I'm proud of the way she loves me. You know, it um, it, it makes me um, it makes me happy. But um, you know, we have to be wary of corporate pride. You know, sometimes people, you know, like you know, pride in your school. You know, my school is better than your school. Um, organizations can take on that kind of tenor, where they're you know they're really proud of their their organization and they think that their organization has something to say to the world that, you know, everybody else needs to hear and that, you know, they're the only ones that can teach it. Um, so I think uh, we, we have to steer away from that type of uh, pride. So, I, I mean, what am I getting this right that you're talking about? If we're talking about um, I have an affection or a love or an appreciation of this person or this, this thing in and of itself, then that's that's absolutely fine, no problem there. It's really coming down to the comparison, the com- competition between that person or that thing and somebody else, where we really fall into that trap of pride. I- is that accurate? Yeah, I'd say it's excellent. You know, where you think your excellence is better than you know other people's excellence or whatever, and, and, and you're promoting that excellence because uh, that's we have to be very careful of that. You know, ideally, right. when, when, we see, when we see other people doing good, you know, we see a reflection of God's goodness. And, um, you know, we want to give joy and ha- happiness to that. And so so but, how, how do we celebrate that success for somebody that we do love and care about or for that, you know, that group that we have an affection for? How do we celebrate their success or their achievement without falling into that area, guarding against the, you know, getting into that competitiveness that would drag us into that sinful area of pride. Yeah, that's a very good point. And plus, too, just for your parents out there, I think it's, it's, it's you got to be very careful with the excellence of your children. Because, you know, when, when you're a parent, you see the excellence of your child. It's, it's, in a sense, it's hard not to see it as a reflection of your own excellence. And if you give them, you know, too much affection and love for when they do excellent things, you know, I, I experience this all the time as a campus minister. You know, suddenly their self-worth is based on their ability to do excellent things because they just, you know, they, their parents didn't intend to do this, but when they did something excellent, they experienced this gushing forth of love from their, from their parents, and they wanted that, and so that kind of drove them to do more excellent things. And so I think if you're a parent, in a certain sense, you should love and show more affection for your kids when they fail than when they're excellent. You know, Vince Lombardi used to do this with the Packers. He said, you know, when the Packers are winning, I, I never build them up because everybody else is. You know, he was always kind of pushing them down when they were winning. You know, it's when they're losing is when he wanted to give them more love and affection. So, you know, yes, it's right to applaud people when they do certain things, but I, I really do think we just have to be careful about it. You know, we don't live in a humble world. We live in a world right now that really applauds excellence. And um, where pride is just pride and impurity is the world that we live and breathe in. And humility is, is not known. You know, we, we all sign the work that we do. We all publish things on the Internet that we do. We all want to have a beautiful picture on Facebook and we all want to get likes. And this is really destroying <laughs> yep. the psychology of our <laughs> of our whole culture. 
you know, it'd be better to err on the, on the other side, I think, Josh. Uh-huh. I know, I know. Yep, I, I, you're preaching to the choir, Father. Okay, so we've talked a lot about pride here, right? Um, gone through a lot of that. Let's let's look at humility directly, the virtue that we want to be able to com- combat pride. What can you give us a, a, a just a direct definition of what the church means of what we're talking about when we say humility? Yeah, I would say that basically um, humility is the virtue that um, restrains the movement of our mind towards our own excellence, um, particularly restraining the mind from thinking that it knows better and is greater than God. You know, so thinking I could create a better world, I could create a better situation. Um, it's not right for this to happen. And just to be humble and meek and to um, accept the world that God created. Um, let's, let's accept the sin that's in the world because of the freedom that God gave to people. And just to humbly accept this this world as it is and try to, as I said before, restrain our mind from acknowledging our own excellence, not needing to see our own excellence in order to be happy, basically, is, is where we're going at. And the humble person is very happy to see their, their, their non-excellence. You know, a humble person is very ready to see, you know, the things that they do wrong and what they're not good at and to reach out to God for help. So, the, you know, that's where we want to be. And God gives grace to that person. God gives, God gives grace to that, to that humble person who is, you know, able to see that and recognize that. Well, and as you're saying, you know, the person sees the world and they accept it as it is. Uh, we're talking about having a, a realistic approach and outlook on ourselves and on what we see, those people that we encounter. Um, let, let's, let's get back to that in a moment. We've got a number of phone calls uh, here, Father, so let's go to the phones. And again, I'll throw out the phone number, 888-914-9149, uh, here as we're talking about the sin of pride on the inner life, also the virtue of humility, the virtue that allows us to overcome that great sin of pride. And maybe you have a question about pride or about humility. Uh, maybe you it's something that you've struggled with in your life, but you've been able to grow in that virtue of humility. What has helped you to be able to live your life in a more humble manner, to be able to love people more than yourself? or at least as much as yourself. Uh, we'd love to hear your story, 888-914-9149. And, Father, we've got Cindy who's calling in from California. Cindy, welcome to The Inner Life. You're on the air. Good morning. Um, I During Mass, I can get really distracted, so I use the uh, Daily Roman Missal to follow Mass. So I'm reading the prayers that also the priest would say silently, and the one prayer that always strikes my heart and just just I, kind of puts me in my place is just it's a little prayer by the mystery of this water and wine. May we come to share in the divinity of Christ who humbled himself to share in our humanity. And just constantly thinking about him coming to us in our humanity just seems to always put an arrow or most of the time puts an arrow in my heart to like, this is, you're you, but God is God. And that he humbled himself so much to want to be 
with us and love us. I don't know. I can't. It's hard to put words into it, but. Yeah, it's very beautiful, Cindy. That's uh, it's hard to find an analogy like that. It'd be kind of like you were the most important person on at, at your high school of four thousand people. You know the, um, you know the prom queen, and also had the lead in the school play, and were the best basketball player. And you suddenly decided that you were just going to become the nerdiest person in the whole school, and dress like them, and suddenly you know put on forty pounds. And, you know, have a really ugly haircut <laughs> you know, and hang out with them out of love for them. You know, that, that, that doesn't even come, you know, even close to what God did by, you know, becoming man and allowing himself to uh, die naked on a cross. And so that's why if you, if you want to grow in humility, um, just that little meditation that you have there that you do every, every day at Mass or when you go to Mass, Cindy, is really a reflection on the crucifixion. And if anybody wants to grow in humility, um, there's no better way than just to meditate on our Lord's death on the cross and the words that Cindy just relayed to us that the priest says silently at Mass. Uh, Father, Cindy, first of all, thank you for the call. Uh, Father, kind of going along with understanding what humility is, as we're trying to grow in that virtue, uh, one thing that this can sometimes be confused with is that we then don't stand up for ourselves. We can be a pushover. We can allow others to take advantage of us. That's not the kind of humility that we're talking about here. Well, it isn't. It isn't, Josh. You know, it's, it's, a, difficult, it's, it's a difficult thing. So first of all, I would say if you are humble, you, you do tend to get walked over a little bit, and, and you do tend, you know, to be pushed around a little bit because, you know, you're just humble, and that's fine. If that's what you want to do, that's what we'll do. Um, one thing that a humble person does, though, that is truly humble, is they won't commit sin, and they won't allow anybody to, um, you know, derogate their their body because they recognize that their body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, and their trust is in God, and they don't want to do anything to offend God. And so that's where humble people stand up for themselves, and that's why humble people can be very infuriating, because you know, all, this guy used to be so amiable and went along with everything I said, and suddenly I asked him to do this one simple thing, and he said no because it was a sin and he didn't want to do it, you know? And, and um, so I think um, that's where we don't become doormats and, you know, we don't allow people to strip us of our dignity, you know, especially right. in marriage, you know, in the marriage bed, I'm not going to allow this man to take away my dignity, you know, at work, I'm not going to go along with this because it's not dignified for me to do it. And um, so that's, that's where we truly stand up for ourselves. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that word dignity into this, because that's really where I was kind of thinking. It wasn't that uh, we have to stand up for ourselves in every single situation or try and force our will. That's not the case. It really is that we're watching out. Uh, the other thing that strikes me, too, is, um, you know, being humble... Uh, I don't think it means we beat ourselves up or we get down on ourselves in some sort of over-the-top or disproportionate way when we fail or when we sin, because that can start us down a road where we think our sin is so bad that we've done so such horrible things that God could never forgive us, you know, that Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, well, it might cover everybody else's sins, but not mine because I am so bad. And if we if we kind of try and trick ourselves into this kind of humility, then we've gone back around to letting our pride tell us that 
Well, now instead of being better than other people at, you know, an athletic competition or, you know, in some sort of er other area, now we apparently are the best at sinning to the point that we're the world's greatest sinner and even God can't help us. Yeah, yeah, you bring up a good point. To be frustrated about your, your sinfulness and to get downcast about it and angry about it is a, um, is a sign of your pride because it, it shows that you think you should be more excellent than you really are. And, um, and you're upset and angry because you're not as excellent as, as you think you're capable of being. And St. Teresa of uh, Lisieux, actually in her book, she said she was very happy to see her sins because it increased her humility and brought her closer to Christ. And so the humble person, first of all, is not shocked when they sin. The humble person, when they sin, they say, oh, look at that. You know, I'm just being who I am right now. And um, obviously they're, they're sad because they hurt God and they, they let God down. But um, at the same time, they, they trust in his mercy and in their humility, pick themselves up right away. You know, St. Rosemary said a very beautiful thing, you know, that when, when a big person falls to the ground, you know, they're big and it hurts. But when little kids fall to the ground, they're already so close to the ground, they just bounce right up like rubber balls. And that's why we want to be a child and very humble. You know, humble, hum, the word humility comes from, you know, the Latin for dirt, you know, close to the earth. And so we just want to be little people so that when we fall, we, you know, it's just, we just bounce. We, we're not falling too far. Right. You know, we, yeah. we readily recognize our <laughs> sinfulness. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. It's, it's easier to fall off the bottom rung of the ladder rather than off the, yeah. the top of the roof. <laughs> yeah, well said, Josh. Well said. Uh, so, uh, Father, let's go back to the phones here. And again, the phone number to call in as we're talking with Father Eric Nielsen. Phone number 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Mike is listening in Madison, Wisconsin. Mike, thanks for calling in. You're on the air. Thank you for taking my phone call. Um, so I need, uh, I love all of this. I need some concrete, av- uh, something for me to exercise of, uh, I give a homeless man five bucks or I help a lady put her groceries in the car. And I literally say, Hey God, did you see that? And I know that he saw it. (laughs) And I'm, uh, but I need something concrete to mentally say, Tony, just, or just like, just do that out of charity. Well, you know, I think, you know, the thing is it's, um, to do something to please God is, is not prideful. Um, to kind of say, hey, God, look at me, you know, that'd be prideful, right? So, yeah, I think what you have to do when you do something like that, rather than saying, God, look at me, obviously he sees everything. The thing to do is say, you know, Jesus, I did this for love of you, and um, thank you for the grace. And uh, I think if you just said that after each thing that you did, you would find yourself growing in humility, you know. You know, Jesus, I did this for love of you. Thank you for giving me the grace. And even if that's not the case, um, it's somewhat the case. And by saying that over and over again, you know, you, you'll, you'll definitely move in that direction. Uh, you know, Father, another thing that comes to mind is you could also say, um, Jesus, look at what you did through me. Thank you for letting me be a vessel to do your work. And that way it takes it off of me doing the, the action and it's... No, the only reason I'm able to do this is because of the blessings you've given me in life to be able to help this person. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, that that works, too. That works, too. I mean, ideally, the, the, the goal is not to think about herself at all. You know, just, just, exactly. to, just to do it and move on. <laughs> so. Right. 
Right. Well, Mike, great question. Thanks for calling in. Again, the phone number 888-914-9149. We need to take a really short break here, but we're going to be right back, try and get to as many of your phone calls right after the break as we're talking with Father Eric Nielsen, a priest in the Diocese of Madison, Wisconsin. And again, the phone number 888-914-9149. Back in just a moment here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. This hour sponsored by Ave Maria Mutual Funds, where financial goals are aligned with pro-life values and fund decisions are based on investment fundamentals designed to preserve and grow wealth without violating moral beliefs. More information at AveMariaFunds.com. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond, and uh, we're talking about the sin of pride, the virtue of humility. Um, you know, I, I love the upbeat music, even when we are talking about the greatest sin of all, pride, because why? Because we have hope. Because we have hope. That's why we can be optimistic. Uh, we do have a Savior that helps us overcome the world. We can turn and look upon Jesus and we can cast our cares upon him. And uh, so welcome to have, uh, so glad to have you as part of the program here listening today as we're talking with Father Eric Nielsen, a priest in the Diocese of Madison, Wisconsin. Also taking your phone calls, 888-914-9149. If you have a question about the sin of pride, about the virtue of humility, or uh, maybe you'd like to share your story about how you've been able to recognize that pride in your life and things that have helped you to grow in humility. 888-914-9149. Father, right before we go back to the phones, one of the areas that I was thinking about, somebody who is working maybe in uh, a position where they're required to be a leader or they're in the spotlight, for you know, in some sort of certain way. For somebody who is in that leadership or public kind of role, any kind of advice on how they can keep their pride in check, how they can foster humility when they have to be in front of a lot of people and, and receive accolades a lot of times. Yeah. I mean, it is, it's, it's, it's not, uh, it's not easy, especially since most people that get to those positions usually, usually have some narcissistic tendencies that help them get there. Um, so it can be, it can be hard to, um, I, I, you know, I, I would say the most important thing is to, um, when you go home, listen to your wife or your spouse, as you brought up earlier, and just realize when you don't have that position, you, you, you know, you are just who you are. Um, and I would say too, to be willing to recognize your mistakes and, um, to, um, to recognize them in, in front of the people that you make them to as, as well. So, and, uh, I think just like everybody else, we just have to realize humility is a gift and to ask for it, you know, from our Lord. But I'd say if, mm-hmm. as long as the person is being real at home, you know, with the people around them and um, not carrying their position into their home life, and if they realize their position of leadership is one of service, and if they recognize their mistakes in front of others and, um, and um, pray for humility, I think they'll do well. Yeah, and that's really key right there. Ask for that virtue of humility. You know, we have to we have to exercise and do some work 
to grow in the virtue, but also asking God to help grow that in us. That is a part of the equation there, absolutely. Father, uh, we've got Teresa who's calling in from College Park, Maryland. Teresa, welcome to The Inner Life. Thanks for calling in. Oh, thank you. And funny you should mention praying for humility, which I do, but I I want to be humble without being depressed because I do recognize a lot of my faults and defects and mistakes, but don't feel any closer to Christ, just the opposite. Well, that's, uh, you know, that's a great question um, about why you're not feeling closer to Christ. Just necessarily recognizing your defects and faults won't get us closer to our Lord unless we are reaching out to him and asking him for help. Um, are you doing that? Are you just going to the Eucharist and saying, Lord, you know, please help me in, with my defects? Yes. Yeah, that would, um, you know, that should bring you a, a certain sense of, um, you know, over time, some int- intimacy with our Lord. I mean, are you suffering from depression just in general? Uh, that's my tendency, definitely. And have you ever felt I've, I've already to I've already been through all the therapy I can <laughs> take, so I you, Yeah, I'd say, you know, reach out to Lord and he'll reach out to you. You know, sometimes we um need to define closeness to Christ based on, you know, feelings of consolation which aren't necessarily there. But if you can find peace in your heart, that's a sign of the Holy Spirit's presence. And if you are receiving little inspirations through the day of things you should do and shouldn't do, and following those inspirations, that's that's a closeness to Christ that that should be there. So, let me ask you: Do you think the Holy Spirit can work through dreams? Like I, I am helped uh, through through dreams. Um, I I believe that they're created through the Holy Spirit. Am I wrong about that? The one you know, the ones that can show you things and parts of yourself that you may have not paid attention to or been in denial about? I, well, I think dream, you have to be careful with dreams. Um, St. John of the Cross wasn't a big fan. He said we should ignore him completely. Obviously, St. Um, Saint Joseph had dreams that he had to listen to. So dreams that are, are there extremely vivid and stick with us, you know, they don't fade away over time, can be you know, gifts of the Holy Spirit in order to show us certain things. Obviously, they reveal parts of our subconscious. And But I wouldn't make any decision based on a dream. I would make a, any decision you do based on your intellect. But your dreams can perhaps just give you a little hint or insight of what might be happening inside of your inside of your soul. But I would definitely, you know, whatever decision you're going to make, I would talk to you know, a spiritual director, a good counselor, and base your decision on, you know, objectable things that you see not things that um, happen in your dreams. Uh, Father, you know, one other thing that might be good to talk about for a moment here, too, is, as Teresa is saying, you know, I, I recognize my faults, my failings, and I want to be humble. How do I stay away from being depressed? There's also um, this, sometimes we think that if we can reach this certain level of intimacy with God, all of our problems will go away. Because other people who seem to be further along in the spiritual life, they seem so happy, they seem so content. So all of my problems must be around because I'm not at that stage yet. But that's not necessarily the case. 
in fact, Jesus promises us that if we are truly following him, we're going to have problems and we're going to you know, face uh, opposition and persecution. There's going to be things that will go wrong. Um, it's, it's just simply, I think, that those people are so happy to be that closely united with Christ that in spite of the suffering, in spite of the bad things, they can just look at it and say, that's okay, that's okay. I, I don't have to worry about it because I just give it over to God, and he takes care of it for me. Yeah, if our joy and happiness is, is based on the experience that we're having around us, then it's going to be a fleeting joy and happiness, and that can be put on solid ground. You know, that being said, you know, obviously if we're not getting our sleep, and if people are, you know, just abusing us constantly, it's going to be hard to be joyful. That's um, right. Or if we're sick or whatever <laughs> yeah. the case may be, right? You know, and that's where we really see the depth of spirituality that the saints had, that in the midst of great deprivation and difficulties, they were still able to maintain your joy. So um, that's something we're really striving for, and that's, that's what it means to be a saint. What it means to be a saint is that despite the circumstances in my life and the things that I'm embracing, um, I can be joyful. You know, I can have peace in my heart and trust in what God is doing. Now, that's no small task, right? Um, that's why there's, that's why everybody doesn't die a saint. You know, most of us don't. But, you know, but that, that's our goal. And that takes a tremendous amount of humility. That takes a tremendous amount of trust. Um, and that takes, um, if you will, on our knees with tears coming down our eyes, you know, begging our Lord for the graces that we need in order to achieve that type of intimacy you know, with our Lord and, and that humility. And, and that's where we all want to be. You know, we, we're on our knees with tears running down our cheeks. You know, Lord, I, I need grace. I, I, need, I need humility. I, I, I need yeah. more trust. I, I need more love and hope. So. Well, and as you're talking about that, I need humility. Uh, one of the things that I wanted to recommend is a prayer called the Litany of Humility. We've mentioned it in the past here on this show, um, and it's fa- easy to find on the Relevant Radio app. If you click on the Prayer tab, the little Pray button up on the upper right corner, you can find it there under Devotions. But that Litany of Humility, uh, it's a challenging prayer, Father, and we've only got about a minute here, but challenging prayer, but boy, it will really change change your attitude in how you look at yourself, I think, in a huge way. Yeah, it's a very, very powerful prayer, and I highly recommend it. I don't know if I'd get too attached to saying it every day, because that could get a little, um, you know, warped a little bit. You know, we want our prayer to be a little bit more liturgical, but it's, it's, you know, if you really want to see what humility is, you know, say the litany of humility. Yeah. Father Eric Nielsen, thanks so much for being with us. We've got about 15 seconds. Could I ask you to offer a blessing for our listeners? Sure. May the blessing of God through intercession of all the angels and saints come down upon your hearts. May our Lord and his mercy today give you a greater gift of humility to know who you are and who are your loving God is. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right. Thanks again, Father Eric. And I want to say thank you to Nick Sentovich and Thomas Engesser helping produce the program today. And thank you for listening. If you joined us late, if you'd like to go back and listen to an earlier portion of the program, of course, the podcast available shortly here at RelevantRadio.com or the Relevant Radio app. And Mass starts right now.